1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 200 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Malisha. How are you, Gina? Can you hear the crowd cheering? Oh, cool! There's a big crowd. We're so so
2: excited (laughs) that everyone's come out to celebrate our 200th episode. How
1: unreal! (laughs) Very, very exciting. Oh, it seems that they've all stopped cheering at once.
2: Oh, it's just us, isn't it? It's just us.
1: It's just us. But this is very exciting. We're up to episode 200. Oh, my goodness. Did you ever think when we first thought of this idea that we would ever get up to episode
2: 200? hundred? Valerie, did you ever think with all the um, face palming that you did when I did my <laughs> first attempts at recording with you? that we would get to 200, (laughs) did you?
1: (laughs) No, I did not, but I'm glad that we did. And we are both celebrating and we want to thank all our wonderful listeners for sticking with us for 200 episodes. Uh, I have a little tipple here and Gina also has her drink of choice. Gina, what are you drinking to celebrate our 200th episode? Because, of course, we are in different states, but that doesn't mean we can't celebrate together and we hope that you guys also, have your favourite beverage, whatever that might be—coffee, tea, Malbec, Riesling, single malt, whatever—and I hope that you're joining in with us. And if you haven't, then go get it, and uh, and then we can
2: cheese together. So, what are you drinking, Gina? I may be in danger of electrocuting myself at this point in time. Okay. Go on. <laughs> when I opened the champagne. Oh yes. Uh, Went everywhere, and that probably has to do with the fact that when I went out to buy it this afternoon, yes, uh, it fell out of the bag and rolled across the road. Oh, classy! As I was getting it into the car, and so I had to go after it, and I knew it wouldn't be good, and uh, yeah, (laughs) it's gone everywhere. Awesome, okay, but I think there's still some in there, so but geez, have you poured it? I'm about to,
1: okay. Well, I am not drinking bubbles because um, I've gone off it a little bit. Sorry, Gina. And I am drinking – well, I'm sure it's temporary. I'm sure it's temporary. And – I've been a bit under the weather lately, so it's not really agreeing with me. So I am drinking scotch. Yeah, just go on to the
2: hard stuff. Top shelf. Why not? Why (laughs) not? It's actually very good. And I sent you a recipe for a drink called penicillin, Val. Yes, Before the show, which is what um, my – my mum used to make for us when we were sick, which is basically uh, hot lemon, honey, and scotch, and she'd boil that up before we went to bed. And uh, it wasn't child abuse. It wasn't a lot of scotch. Uh, but uh, it did the trick. It's fantastic for a cold. And so that's what I was suggesting that you drink. Um, but, of course, yeah, you I will have, have to make
1: some. Yeah, you need to put lemons in it. And, of course, I don't have lemons. Or yeah, many... Course. Essential now,
2: foods. Nothing. Is there anything um, in the fridge or the cupboard?
1: Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, I do have a glass of scotch, no ice, nothing neat, and uh, we are celebrating. So, clink. Just...
2: Clink. Cheers. I've got nothing do you to hear clink. My, um, let me hear yours again. What was your sound of your, yeah, high-end glass? And did you hear the... Uh, the, the, the cheaper sound of my um, <laughs> millennial proof glasses that I have that I buy uh-huh. from uh, the the Red Circle um, big store. What's box the Red store.
1: Circle? Tajay. Oh, Tajay. Yeah, Tajay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's like
2: Walmart for the uh, US listeners. No,
1: um, they have Tajay. Oh, do they have Tajay? Duh. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it the same, Tajay? Yeah, it's the same Target. Okay, good. Target for those of you who you know aren't pronouncing it in French like we are. Uh, But anyway, we have um, we have uh, our drinks, and we would like to celebrate our two hundredth episode with all of you guys, our fantastic listeners, because it is your. Feedback and your um, questions and your wonderful participation in the community that keeps us going
2: because otherwise we'd just be talking to each other, we'd just be talking to each other, <laughs> which would probably still happen, but it's yeah. much more fun doing it this way. And, um, yeah, thanks for having us in your cars, driving us to work, driving to work yes. with us, uh, taking us to, to the, the gym. gym, to walk the dog, to mm. on your bike. Rides, that's uh, right doing the and, dishes oh, and the washing
1: and a shout out to caroline who dropped into my office this week from the gold community how and, cool is um, that we took a <laughs> selfie which we will i will post in the uh podcast group um yeah. and it was great to you know Meet one of the gold members in the flesh, and we specifically found garage lighting so that we could take the photo. So I will post the photo in the podcast community of the garage lighting with me and Caroline. Um, And if you're not already in the podcast group, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community, and we'd love to have you in there. It's free to join, and um, it's from people all over the world. But, yeah, it was great
2: to meet um, Caroline.
1: And um, what have you been up to this week, Gina?
2: (sighs) So much going on. And uh, so I have been doing recording tutorials and shooting and organizing myself in general. But today I had one of those uh, runaround days. Now, Val, my my, Mm -hmm. um, camera, my 1DX uh, cacked itself cacked itself so that's the technical term for died died well, it didn't die. It was still working. Everything was working beautifully, but the I couldn't tether, which means that when I shoot, uh, I run a, a USB cable from my camera to my laptop or to a desktop computer so that I can see the files as I'm shooting and, you know, we make decisions on exposure and lighting based on that. And it's, for me, when I'm shooting, it means that the publicist can see the shots, they can see the expression, and we know exactly what we're doing. So I've always shoot tethered. Uh, mm. it, the tether port cacked itself on the computer. Oh. So we're the, it's the USB port, so it's where you plug in. Now, the USB port is either where you connect the cable to uh, tether, right, shoot tethered, or it, for many of you, you would use that same port to download your files to your computer, if you don't want to pull out the the memory card and do it from a card reader, so it's yep. that little slot there. So it's either a um, USB three or the smaller one USB two, I think it's called. Yep. So mm-hmm. now it cacks mm-hmm. itself, and I think nothing of it. I know I, I've mm-hmm. heard that like you shouldn't, you need to be careful of the port, but I'm thinking it can't be that big a deal, right? And I've always been careful of the port. So I call uh, my mate Wayne at the camera exchange, at the camera clinic. That's really his uh, name? Wayne Rogers, yeah.
1: He's (laughs) one of the techs. Yes,
2: right. Okay, yep. And so the deal is, before I said what camera it was, they're like, oh, there's, don't you hate it when you ring a tech and they get, mm. give you that sound? Mm. Oh, it's wow. like the equivalent in the car is the get blowing a gasket. Have you ever done that in one of your cars, Val? No.
1: How was do that you first even do car that car you
2: had for ages when I first met you? You had the same little car for years and years and years. What was uh, it? Mazda 121. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't think you had a car old enough to blow a gasket, but you know what a gasket <laughs> is? It sounds really impressive, but it's actually this bit of cork mm. that goes, it's on the bottom of the motor. And I know okay. about it because I've blown something. Yeah. I've blown so many of them in about three cars <laughs> in a row. i heard that about you. Yeah, so it's about uh, not having enough water or changing the oil or something like that. So the car runs hot and overheats and the gasket blows, this little thing that you have to remove the entire engine to replace this $5 part. So uh, doing the USB port on your camera is kind of the equivalent and they're like, well (coughs) – In most cameras, in many, many cameras, that USB connection, so the socket on the side of the camera where you put the cable in, is actually welded to the motherboard. Oh. So the motherboard is that bit of the, the whole bit of technology that's inside a camera that runs everything. So hmm. it means when you hear – when someone says you have to replace the entire motherboard, it can cost thousands of dollars. So many cameras are written off, like written off because people stuff the USB port, dull, yeah, right. and that could be where you have a cable in there uh, and you're downloading files and someone trips over the cable and bends that bends it in the when it's in the camera right Mm. and that'll because it's welded in like two tiny little places it's the flimsiest attachment and so if you knock that uh, bang it and it breaks and the welding comes apart it's stuffed and it's it's expensive to repair and it's common so and where have you ever heard this said before i have i've heard i've heard don't Bugger up your, um, and that's another technical term, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very technical. Yeah. Be careful of your USB port because yes. uh, you don't want to break it. But no one ever said because. And I always like to hear oh. the because. So I'm here to share the because. So okay. it is because in many, most cameras, that little port is attached to the motherboard. And if it breaks and it and it's very flimsy. If it breaks, you have to replace the whole motherboard. And if you do, pretty much your camera's a write-off. It's going to cost you more to repair it than to buy a new camera.
1: Yeah, right. Oh, my okay. goodness. So, All right, so you blew your gas
2: gasket this week. I <laughs> blew the camera's <laughs> gasket. And yes. so I took it in and uh, Wayne, at. at the, so at first when I rang them, they're like, oh, a few thousand dollars. And I'm like, what? And it's wow. like, look, the 1DX is about a $7,000 camera, but mm. it's now a couple of th- two, three years old, two years mm-hmm. old, mm-hmm. That, two years that I've had it. So now I'm tossing up, do I get the 1DX Mark II, which I do want? <laughs> but, <laughs> and then I'm thinking of ways to get around this issue. Uh, and I'm like, okay, so maybe I don't shoot tethered anymore and I shoot remotely so I started investigating shooting remotely instead that's no good either because why because it doesn't connect properly or I've always felt this about the remote it's not quite there yet so you're you're Mm. using a device which sort of Mm. wirelessly transmits your files from your camera to a your, your laptop or your computer, right, which most mm. people say it's like it's really good, but I I kind of question it and I asked Wayne today what he thought and he agreed with me. He said yeah. it, it disconnects regularly. Yes. And, and what I noticed is that you will tend to lose uh, one or two files here and there, and if that's oh. the money shot, it's like yeah. you get that. it's, it's Want. Another and file, technical term, everyone, yeah, the money shot. Money shot. Yeah. If people mm-hmm. see that file, like your clients see it, they go, That's the one, we got it. Yeah. And your, you got it, but you haven't an, and then suddenly it physically didn't transfer because it's gone in the um into the uh you know Ethernet or whatever it's called out out into the world, Mm. that's frustrating. So I couldn't trust that. So luckily, Mm. luckily, the 1DX USB port not connected to the motherboard. Ah, good. I know. So it turned out to be like a $400 repair instead of a write-off or a big expensive repair. But then while I was there, I asked Wayne, "What, what do you do to protect the that USB port. so expensive. So he suggested, uh, and by the way, he took me on a tour of the workshop. Oh, cool. I was like a kid in a lolly shop, and guess what, listeners? I'm going back there with a camera, and he's got all these – Tool insides of lenses, cameras that have been opened up that you can see the inside of. He showed me how a shutter worked. He was showing me how they they do the focus testing on. He's got all these toys. I was like, so happy to be in there. Um, And so we're going to do a whole series of uh, special eps for the podcast where we cover all of these. So again, I'm asking if you have any specific questions on anything that you want to know about, the, you know, the technology, the geeky side of photography, uh, send it in. Ask Wayne and uh, we'll, we'll try and get him to answer it because it's like he knows everything. Wow. So, That's exciting. Yeah, I know. It was so cool. Uh, but anyway, he said that the best thing to do is to avoid Um, putting too much strain on that usb port is rather than using the cord the usb cord to download your files from your camera to your computer take the take the card the memory card out of your camera and put it into a card reader and so you'll never use that usb port yeah You'll, you have to, you know, so it's going to just uh, protect it a little bit and uh, reduce the wear and tear. And uh, as I said, the remote capture kind of shite, so and it's unstable. But if you're only doing a few shots, you might want to give it a go. I've, I've heard some people in the uh, podcast community talk about it and say they were kind of they like it. I'd love to hear any of your thoughts on it as well, the, like what you think. And awesome. the third thing to do is. Use something, uh, and you can m- maybe MacGyver your own, like a um, a, a tether tool or a, a jerk stopper. And uh, let me see, I had a picture. Yeah, there it is. Uh, so basically, what that is is it is a like a little thing that attaches to the cord that comes out of your camera, and I've just put that in the show notes there, Val, so you probably see it there. So it attaches to the camera and it attaches to the cord. So if by accident someone trips over that tether cord, which happens all the time, by the way, it's going to um, stop the actual cord from being ripped out of the usb port it's going to protect it so that that is what you want to do and it's just like a like a little plastic clip-on attachment basically
1: it doesn't stop the someone tripping from it it just stops the the end that that is inserted into the camera from being ripped out
2: yes and so the like when i first started shooting like years and years and years ago we were shooting We didn't have um, remote triggers. We had sync cords, which was a cord that went from the camera to the flash. And the first thing I got taught by the photographer that I was working for is he said, okay, you don't want someone tripping over your sync cord and taking out the – it'll knock your camera off the tripod, wreck your camera, wreck your lens, wreck everything. So he said – what you do is you tie a loop around the sync cord around your tripod and yeah. then run the cable to the camera. So he said if someone trips, they're going to like it's not going the, – the impact is not going to be at the the point of contact with the camera. It's going to be on the cord itself. Yes. And, uh, with my laptop, valve. So whenever I've got my laptop powered, Uh, Next to a a station that I'm shooting at, I always find I always wrap the cord a couple of times around the leg Mm -hmm. uh, and then run the cable to the computer. So if someone happens to trip over that cord, uh, it's going to knock the computer off the table. It is going to knock the computer.
1: No. It isn't going to knock. But isn't it a magnetic thing on Macs yeah, anyway? It is.
2: I know, and that's a good thing that they've done, but I still do that anyway. Okay. right, And, you, and do oh. it with your thing. So it's well worth, and hopefully that little bit of information is going to help you and save you. It could save you thousands. Because want want to. All
1: right. We'll put the link in the show notes on how to get the jerk stopper, which you can get from Tether Tools. And um, you'll find the show notes, of course, at ginamilitia.com. And also at ginamilitia.com is where you'll find more information about the awesome gold community. Now, one of the goldies, as I mentioned, I met earlier this week, Caroline. Great to see you, Caroline. Um, And it's just fantastic to see and meet people from so many different walks of life who are in the membership, who have decided to become members of the gold community to take advantage of the awesome resources. And here's some more information about it.
2: Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing posing and directing models, lighting and post-production, you get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surfers in Sri Lanka using a single speed light, to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight, or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls, and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So, what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com.
1: All right, and we're back. Now, Gina, earlier this week, so um, we've got this thing in New South Wales, this is the state I live in, called council pickup. and in Victoria, which is the state that Gina lives in, it's called hard rubbish. Best day ever. Gina (laughs) loves hard rubbish because she goes around and looks at other people's hard rubbish and picks up their their rubbish. Carry it home. And carries it home. She ha- has acquired many things that way. Yep. But anyway, I'm not sure what it's called in other countries, but here it's council pickup. Anyway, so we had council pickup, or we arranged council pickup earlier this week, and we threw out all sorts of you know, rubbish, and because we were throwing stuff out, we were going through all of, you know, boxes and just stuff that has boxes that have been sitting there for three years and we haven't touched, so clearly we don't need them. But one of them I opened and, gee, I was glad I opened it and I didn't put it out into the council pickup or the hard rubbish Uh because I opened it and I went, oh, my God, that's where it is. So I'm holding in my hand and I will take a photo and I will post it along with the show notes. Now, if you can imagine this beautiful old leather strap that's attached to, uh, and it's brown, obviously, and it's a, a beautiful, old, just a compact kind of, um, my cat's now playing with a strap, a compact kind of um, camera shape. And uh, it's it's very old. It looks like it's, you know, almost a hundred years old, or not quite a hundred, but it's probably nineteen thirties, I'm guessing, yeah. or possibly nineteen twenties, but maybe nineteen thirties. And um, and on the front, and like um, embossed into this um, leather, is Leica, as in L E I C A. Oh. And when you open it, in and. It encases this camera, and you know the cover. I'm, i just, I'm just opening the cover now, and it's got Leica, and it's like a brassy kind of cover, and the lens, you know, is you have to move the lens by manually, obviously, by shifting yeah. this dial, and um, I'm just looking through it now. It's pretty cool, and it's got, um, uh, it's actually does have a um a space for the uh i don't know what whether they would have had it certainly wouldn't have had flash in those days, but i don't know maybe it did hmm i don't know but it's so got what like, like two- or is it like a what m what well that's a very good question it because say it's well it's number 153671. <laughs> I can tell you that. And it's got all of the dials and everything. But and it doesn't say the model number M something. It does have an M on it.
2: But M what? Well I'm getting there, Gina. <laughs> God, can you just it's just come? Like have- only your suburb would like someone toss out, oh, yeah, hard rubbish, no. found it hard rubbish like is- No, no, but you nearly did. Oh. And surely other people have gone, oh, yeah, no, this camera's old. It doesn't work. I'll just <laughs> throw it out.
1: <laughs> so I think it used to belong to Ernst Leitz Wetzler DRP.
2: Ansel Adams. <laughs> no. It didn't belong out to Ansel yeah, Adams. <laughs> no,
1: I'm I'm afraid uh not quite that good because when I take it out of it, it's a Luftwaffe camera.
2: Mm. What so, did you call me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a Luftwaffe camera, which, of course, is the um, – uh, translated means air weapon, which is the Air Force. Right. During the, I would say, World War II. Yeah. Fant- Where would you get that? I bought it, oh, decades ago. Decades wow. ago. Um, just because I liked the look of it and, you know, I like cameras. And um, – it's uh, – and I've had it ever since, obviously. And, it's you know, it obviously display, takes – it obviously takes film. You should, it's just so gorgeous, like yeah. all of the little, you know, little openings and all of the little dials. And I'm just opening it now and, um, you know, it, it, you had to obviously wind the film yourself in those days. That's it. That's it with the film cartridge well, – or the film area open, which is at the bottom of the camera. And um, yeah, really cool. I'm really excited that I remembered
2: that I own this. So now, Val, you're going to be um, stuck. Start- Doing, um, becoming a film photographer, maybe a bit of a hipster, like as a new phase. Uh, because this now that you're so a, old, you know, Gina. highly I don't think acclaimed that. artist, but you know these are, uh, are sought after. These cameras and film is very, very groovy at the moment. All the cool kids are doing it, so uh, I reckon you need to get yourself a pair of drop crutch pants. <laughs> And grow a beard. (laughs) And, you know, no socks. No socks. I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just get out there and uh, be like a hipster film photographer. I think you could totally rock that.
1: Yeah, okay, sure. (laughs) No. Anyway, so I just thought I'd share that with you because that was my excitement for the week when I opened the box and I went, oh, There's
2: my camera. I would have liked to have done a cruise around your suburb with the uh, (laughs) the back of my car open and nice and empty. I I reckon I would have um, done well.
1: Yes, yes, it could be fun. But anyway, I did not throw out, throw out my Leica Woof camera. camera. Um, <laughs> but let's move on to yeah. what else has been happening this week, Agina. Okay, eh, so, um, and while we're doing that, I'm going to have another little sip yeah, of good. my drink of choice.
2: Uh, it was a big week, Val. I, I am obsessed yes. with the royal wedding. Obsessed. Why
1: are you obsessed with the <laughs> well, royal wedding of uh, all things?
2: Firstly, um, Harry, Prince Harry Oh, yeah, you love Harry. Uh, well, I've got him on lay-by, basically. You've got him on lay-by.
1: <laughs> lay-by so for like... our North Americans, lay-by is like lay-away.
2: Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Megan, nice girl and all, but, like, you know, it, it was just, like, let him get that out of his system and then in about 10 <laughs> years when he's old enough for me <laughs> – so um, honestly I loved everything about it I happily watched the whole thing and uh I just enjoyed the whole spectacle but I kept watching uh the light in the church and all the Getty photographers that were out there and uh I was feeling for the royal photographer uh Alex Lubom, Lubom Lubomirsky, who he did the the engagement shots of Harry and Megan. And I was thinking, oh, my God, like pressure, a pressure pressure shoot. I don't think there would have been. A uh, greater pressure shoot, maybe doing uh, – photographing the U.S. presidential inauguration would be probably up there with that sort of, you know, big deal, high-end events when you've got the entire – Eyes of the world looking, Mm -hmm. watching this event. And, you know, when all is said and done, what's left of the event? When it's all over, the photos. The photos are the most important thing. And the world's like holding their breath, waiting for these photos to come out. And interestingly enough, did you know that Alex, who took the shots, is also uh-huh. royalty? He's also known he? as his Serene Highness Prince Alexey Lubomirski of the Polish House of Lubomirski. Really? Um, yes. And the other interesting fact <laughs> about him is he also spent uh, four years as an apprentice to... Mario Testino. Now, Mario Testino. Mario Testino was uh, like a, a famous fashion portrait photographer, but he was also a favourite of Princess Diana, and he yes. did some beautiful and candid portraits of the the two princes uh, when they were kids, and of all the royal family. So I thought that was really interesting that that, that like that that relationship there. So right. He's this guy that – do you know how they found him, Megan and Harry? heard about him. Well, you'd think it was his, you know, connections to the royal family, Paxa. He's a prince. He could photograph (laughs) us. We all blend in. We're kind of the same. Yeah. No. So one of Megan's friends – or Megan, is it Megan? I don't know. One of of the Duchess of Sussex's friends. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Saw his work on Instagram, Ooh. and that he was in England during the announcement. And uh, you know, said like, you should meet Alexi. He's great. You'd love him. And there you go. And then suddenly, wow. he, suddenly he's the royal photographer. And so, I've got the photos because I'm kind of obsessed with the royal photos. This is <laughs> as high pressure as it gets. So I would say can, so. Yes. So he's got. It's not. It's like the royal family. It is the in between. So the official photos are taken. You know, as they get back from their carriage ride around the uh, the town there, and then in between the reception. Right. So yes, he had uh, only a very short time. Twenty five minutes. And he needed to do six setups, but included in that you got the future king and uh, his partner, and then the and you've got the queen and uh, Prince Philip, and then all the other royals. And then behind the scenes, there must have been. A million other hangers-on, and then he's also dealing with little kids, like little kids under six, which could be a nightmare. Who are also tired, and he manages, I think, to pull off a really beautiful and natural-looking photo. And he managed to get like uh, Prince William smiling, and a lot of the other princes, uh, a lot of the other kids in the photo smiling. So, and Prince Prince William is an adult. Oh, how old is – oh, sorry, the the little one. What's the other one? The, um, the son of Prince William. What's the little prince called? George? George, I think. Is that the first one? Yeah, George, I think. George, cute kid. Mm. But he manages to get them all. And also, they're not all looking at the camera. And it's yes. a tu- it's a tough call. So like, and apparently he bribed them all with the little kids with Smarties, which uh, for the US li- listeners are like M and Ms. Um, so and uh, that's how he got them all to smile. And you just uh, compare the two shots, uh, Mario Testi. Testino's shot of uh, William and Kate on their wedding day compared to Alex's image, uh, very, very different, but like with, with all the kids, it's got that natural vibe and they've both gone for that stepped sort of a style. I love both the shots. I love the sort of the naturalness of them all, but the when you compare the official uh, royal portrait of uh william and kate who william's going yes. to be the, the next king compared yes. to of the mario shot compared to alex's version which is like harry and megan sitting on the steps very relaxed very candid completely different vibe and what i also notice is the comparison of the two family portraits like you see uh Mario Testino's image of Prince William's wedding, everyone is lined up, everyone mm. is r- rigid. It's uh, it's like a football club b- b- um, shot <laughs> where you've got two lines, it's so stiff, it's so formal, and it's reminiscent of, you know, every other royal portrait that's gone on beforehand. And then you see Alex's shot which he did last week of Meghan and Harry and the royal party, and you can see he's got he's got some of the children sitting. He's got then a next tier with the Queen and um, Prince Philip are also sitting, and you've got um, Kate with her child on her lap, and and then it's like staggered. But he's also got more energy in the shot, and if you look at it zoomed in, I reckon he got uh, half the group there to connect with mm-hmm. the camera that look like they're actually smiling properly. And that's actually one of them was the queen. You look at her face, she's smiling for reals in that shot. And so is <laughs> uh, Prince Charles. And uh, Camilla looks pretty happy to be there. Uh, and uh, and so does Harry. The rest of them may be a little bit photo face, but I think <laughs> this was such a uh, tough gig, and uh, congrats to Alex. I think he did a great job. Can you imagine having to shoot that? Yeah, it'd be stressful, stressful for sure. You know, so yeah. uh, you know, I, I think uh, it, it's so interesting to see the the different styles. But what's what I loved seeing also is you know, seeing Mario Testino's influence on Alex because. Yeah. He also shot the royal family in this beautiful, relaxed style. So I'm not sure uh, if it's a future king because Harry's not going to be king. He's too far removed. But I think that uh, when it's uh, a future king is at stake, you've got to have a certain amount of protocol and have – you know, you're not allowed to have them kind of sitting oh, on sure. the floor and things like that. So that's why there's a difference. And, yeah, so uh, I just think it was uh, really interesting. And he he also did uh, some really beautiful photos of uh, Princess Diana, I think, after she split from uh, Charles, which are, are also very beautiful. So a fan of both their work. I just think it's extraordinary and um Oh, I can't imagine the stress they must have been under to do that.
1: It would have been stressful, but I would just like to say way less stressful than it would have been 30 years ago. You know, Alex would have had way less stress than Mario Testino would have done when he shot, you know, things, uh, not so much uh, Kate and William's wedding, but um, when, or. Even when Lord Snowden did the photography, yeah, uh, it, it's it's, it's Diana, way less the 90s. way less yes. stressful because I so digital is so forgiving. So many things can be fixed if there was to be an issue. Whereas yep. you literally thirty years ago had one shot,
2: literally, to and get you the, had to, to know, get a shot. You had to back yourself like we would uh, yeah. shoot my I hung off my Polaroids going all right the Polaroid looks good which would be a uh like a print positive print that you I think everyone knows what a Polaroid is right Val do I need to
1: I'm pretty sure they do I hope so
2: (laughs) so take a Polaroid first and that would be like my blueprint for the shoot and I'd look at that and then go okay and it's like not 30 not 50 shots not 100 shots it's like you've got one roll if it's medium format it's uh 12 or 15 frames and that sort of that family group shot you'd be like click wind it on i think later on uh, late 90s i had an auto drive on the on the rz67 but it's like hand wind next shot next shot and if you really stuffed it up like I did once, Val, and I'll never forget this, I had the RZ67 that I was shooting on. You had a choice that the, ba- the back where the film went was uh, separate to the body of the camera, okay? So right. you've got the body which is like a box. The lens attaches to the front. The viewfinder goes on top of that, and the back is a separate um, – cartridge that holds the lens so that holds the film so when you want to load the film or unload the film you remove you put a dark slide in to protect the film from being exposed you remove the back and you unload or load the film the rz67 and i think uh that that i was shooting with the medium format and other i think it happened with other cameras gave you the choice fell of shooting vertical or horizontal you didn't move the camera, you rotated the back. Yeah. Okay. And so many, many, many years (laughs) ago when I first started like like early, the first month I'm shooting with this camera, I had to shoot a uh, corporate CEOs, a group of CEOs, and I forgot to rotate the camera. The right way oh. to shoot. So oh. it was a horizontal shot. Oh. And I set the camera up as vertical. Oh. And I stuffed it. Technical no. term. Didn't get yes. the shot. Uh, okay. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. No. Just because that, because you physically, and you've got no way of knowing until I went, I got the shots back. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. It wow. wasn't the entire suit, but it was like a, a component of the shot, so.
1: Dear, oh, dear. I know. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that, that's a learning experience. Now, I have to ask you, Gina, are you a royal follower?
2: Yeah. Are you? Yeah, I love the royal family. Really? Yeah. Why? I just love it. I just love the tradition, and I do follow them, and I um, uh, just enjoy the whole story behind it. I think I'm a bit. Ooh. I'm old enough to remember when uh, Princess Diana died, and that whole uh, watching the funeral, and watching Harry and and William walking behind the casket, and. You know, I feel kind of protective of them <laughs> as a lot of people my generation do. So, and I've always been fascinated. Of course, watching The Crown has reignited that love.
1: Yeah, right. It's amazing. Okay. You're not at all? I don't dislike them in any way. I don't wish them ill will in any way. Yeah. Um, I can see their benefits and I can see that many people, um, you know, look to them for. Something nice to look at. Um, Mm -hmm. But maybe those people should look at something else.
2: Right, fair enough.
1: (laughs) That's all. I mean, like I said, I don't wish them any ill will and they do do good things. Um, Yes, it just seems like a very outdated concept. And, um, you know, I, I guess the bit that I find difficult is, is, is uh, so Charles and Camilla came out to Australia to the Commonwealth Games recently and, you know, it cost Australia a million dollars and which some people might say in the scheme of things isn't that much, you know, for a few days' visit. Uh, but I think the million dollars could be better spent. I I don't think necessarily that they're potentially the most, you know, inspiring or whatever, rousing people. I understand that leadership is important. Maybe if it was people like Harry or Megan or William or whatever who could inspire a next generation of people to do good or to um, go into humanitarian work, perhaps the million dollars is well spent. But, yeah, I just sort of wonder sometimes. Anyway, I don't know how we got onto that. We should move back onto (laughs) photography, I would say. Yeah. So apologies to anyone who shares a different view, but, you know, I'm not hard and fast in my views. It's just something that, uh, that occurred to me. And like I said, I don't wish them
2: any ill. I just love a big event, Val. I love a spectacle. I just was excited for the whole, <laughs> you know, feeling for them and and uh, watching everything unfold. Uh, the whole ceremony. Loved it. That that's that's what I'm into. And of course, okay. you know, I was in the UK a couple of years ago. Of course, I had to go to Buckingham Palace. It was cool, Val. You know, and walking along oh, High the Street.
1: Oh, fascinating. It's so yes.
2: cool. It's awesome.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well. All right. Um. Let's move on. What have we got next?
2: All right. Well, uh, I thought that because we're celebrating our two hundredth episode. How far into your bubbles are you? Oh, uh, pretty far in Val. Really? I've okay. nearly finished the bottle. In fact, I have. No. Yeah, I have. Oh my
1: god. Okay. Yeah. i st- Yeah. It's gone. I got up. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, <laughs> but okay. I think a bottle of scotch compared to a bottle of um, <laughs> yeah, not the hot bottle. <laughs> yeah, so I thought because we're celebrating 200 episodes, uh, we might maybe share some some of our insights into valuable lessons we've learnt along the way. Okay. Uh, yeah. Photography and uh, yeah, with the Why don't listeners. Why do you kick off
1: then with your first one?
2: So what I think. Uh, so I think uh, in all the years that I've been shooting, and uh, the, the one of the most. Well, I, I would say the most, but well, one of the most valuable. Okay. <laughs> hang on, I've got to have a little sip. here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yes. Um. <laughs> is the most valuable lesson in photography is the importance of uh, knowing your stuff and to do that, you've got to do the work. So it's like having, it's, you can wing it in photography. Like, and today I guess it's easier than before because you can look on the back of the camera and you go, well, that's not right. I'll just change this or I'll just change that. Or uh, you can, you've got latitude in, in with digital files, that if you really um, muck it up, you can fix it in post, right? Mm. Which does happen mm. a lot, and you can really polish a, a turd very well. <laughs> <with the photography>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you want to? But yes, working but in that way is yes. nowhere near as awesome or rewarding as it is when you come from a space where you just have trained uh, that muscle memory that you kind of you know your stuff you've done it enough times you've done all your homework you understand lighting you understand posing you understand the psychology of people you can connect and it kind of Uh, It's kind of like driving, Val. You know, when you started to drive, it was just overwhelming and stressful how many, like, I'm not right, so the revs, I need to change the gear, I need to brake, I need to look in the rear vision mirror, and it was also... Um, you have to think about everything that you were doing and you would get to your destination, <laughs> complete mess, and you go, oh, no, I've got to do a reverse park here. There's people watching me reverse park. <laughs> do you remember getting flustered when the car was waiting for you to reverse park and you'd botch it?
1: Yes, I re- uh, yes. In fact, I remember once reverse parking so badly that I went on the curb and I s- couldn't right myself and I couldn't get off the curb. That that passers by came over, set many passers by came over and just lifted my car mm. and put it in the parking spot.
2: Was that the little car?
1: Yeah, well, one of them probably. Yeah, a, a very early car. Yeah, lifted it. Carried yeah. it to the parking spot, Yep.
2: Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do, yes. Um, and, yeah, so you get flustered when there's people watching you, but as you go and you do more and more and more, suddenly you get to a point where you become so confident in your ability to do that or so comfortable in the fact that you've done this before you're going to reverse in and if you overthink it it becomes i think you you muck it up you know when you do a reverse park intuitively you just yep. and you don't overthink it you'll get it in but yeah. the minute you start going all right uh let me reverse park and it'll be the best reverse park of my life. People are going to applaud. It's going to be amazing. You start, you've overthought it, you stuff yes. it up, don't you?
0: Yes. So
2: I find photography's the same and so the more I overthink a shot or go, okay, this is what's going to happen. And as I'm shooting, I'm thinking, all right, I want to get this expression from that person. So I'm going to say this and they're going to think that, and then I'm going to get them to stand there and then I'll put that light there and that's what will happen. Never the case. It needs to, when it comes from a place that's intuitive, it just flows. And that is, that comes from having the confidence that You know your stuff. You've got that lighting, posing, or you understand your camera. You're not going to get flustered and you don't care about making people wait. Yeah. Because you know that I'm going to do this right. I'm reverse parking here, guys. It's going to take me a minute. If I rush, I'm going to miss the turn and I'm going to stuff it up. So everybody wait. It'll be done a lot quicker if you uh, if I take my time rather than if I rush through and have to keep going, you know, edging, edging. You know how excruciating that is to watch when someone turns too early, yes. and misses the park. Yeah. So I think that that is been one of the most uh, valuable lessons that I've learned, about, and and that ability to shoot intuitively uh, is just lovely because it's just like, and I'm just going to go back to uh, Alex, the royal photographer, mm. when he shot that uh, the candid image that's been displayed around the world. I think more people have seen that photo of Meghan and Harry on their wedding day, sitting on the steps. She is uh, sitting, you know, down next to him. They're relaxed. They're both smiling. That wasn't planned. That's the plan B. And that's what happens intuitively. He had three and a half minutes to take some quick shots, right? Because... The royal family run like clockwork. When they say in the rundown that the car's going to pass the corner of High Street, and you know, yeah, at this time it does to yes. the second. You know, yes. that's that's how they do it. So he had a few seconds, and um, th- it's the end of the day, and he's like, "Okay, we got the shot. Hey." I just got one more and and it's like this is now he's not th- he's not thinking he didn't plan this the day before he's going he sees the light he notices yes. the moment and he's go, hey, guys, why don't you just sit on this step here and uh, just take a minute. And as they sit down, so relaxed, so natural, he sees the shot, bang, he gets it. Now, if you put this in a uh, Facebook group for critique, you, you know that people are going to go, ah, oh, that whites are blown out and they cut off his hand and that's no good, <laughs> I wish he could, you know, all of that. But have a look. What he captured, he captured the joy in the shot. I probably would have cropped in so that you didn't see that he <laughs> you know, but, hey, he captured the moment and it's relaxed and you see that, you know, the love. It's a beautiful shot. So that's what happens when uh, you allow that flow to take over and the shoot uh, I think takes on a mind of its own and it's always it's kind of that thing, look around the corner, look back, uh, hang, sit, hang back for a second and then just take a moment. If you're there and present for the entire shoot, there will always be the plan B and those magic shots just appear before you and you, you because you're relaxed, will see them. If you're in your head and you're uptight about – F250, F, F 250, one, two, three, the second. I'm going to have my flash it, blah, blah, blah. You're not seeing those little moments that are constantly in front of you.
1: Yes, that's true. That's true. Okay, well, all right, that's a good one. So, that's one of your most valuable lessons that you've learned. I think so, photography. Val. Have you got one? Um, okay. So I would say that, uh, one of my most valuable lessons I've learned in photography and largely from you is the, it's all about the lighting, maybe not all, but the huge part of it is about the lighting, because no matter how beautiful your model is or how great, you know, how experienced he or she is, if, even if you're photographing Harry and Megan, um, Uh, and and no matter how great your location is or whatever, if you've got car car lighting, it's, uh, car car (laughs) lighting. It's, it's no good. And, but if you can, can get, you know, some decent lighting, some the basics of lighting, like when I caught up with Caroline earlier this week and we looked for garage lighting to take a photo, Mm. um, it can make a huge difference, because so Ra, who works with me in the office, took the photo and went. We initially found a place that didn't have garage lighting, and then we mm. moved to garage lighting. And Ra was saying, "Oh my god, it looks amazing!" So <laughs> great. <laughs> it's it's oh, so yes, for me, it's very much, uh, very much about the lighting and the single best thing. The single best thing about lighting that you've ever taught me is garage
2: lighting. I love it
1: to pieces. I know.
2: You love yourself sick when you bust out garage lighting, don't you, Val? And I just like, I see. Yeah.
1: Not only when I'm taking the shot, but when I am in the shot and even when I'm just doing a selfie. The best thing ever. I've ever learned about lighting is garage lighting. And if you are new to this podcast and you haven't discovered garage lighting, you don't actually have to be in a garage. Look for the episode where we talk about garage lighting because it makes such a huge difference. So that's my number one. Excellent. What's your your number two?
2: All right. So I think uh, looking back over all those years, I think you want to believe in the destination. Right, So you want to back yourself that you're going to get to that place. So when I first – but – so believe in the destination. But what destination? What are you talking about? So where are you heading, Val? So it's oh, like when okay. I first started and I decided I want to be a photographer, one day this is what I did. I got, I went and got business cards printed and on those business cards it said, Gina Militia, photographer. Uh-huh. I, I yes. wasn't but I wanted to put it out there. I wasn't until I said that I was. All right? Okay. Does that make sure. sense? Sure, yeah. So yep, I said yep, I was yep. and then I did everything I needed to do to be that. And uh, so that that to me was about believing in the destination. I actually believed that I was going to be a photographer or I was a photographer. So act as if you are going to be that thing, not uh, – I, 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 I hear – so often where people say, oh, I'm not actually – I'm a student photographer or I'm studying to be a photographer or I want to be a photographer or I'm a part-time, I'm actually a, a nurse, but in, my part, in part-time I do photography. Do you get what I mean? And they don't back themselves yes. to believe in, in what they are. So uh, you believe in the destination. You believe that you have everything it takes to be that person, but – value the journey along the way and so like a lot of us it's so common that uh you spend your life waiting for everything all the ducks to line up and everything will be good when and it starts from when you're a child like you know when you're 4 or 5 it's like well I can't wait to get to to school because that's when it's all going to happen and then you're at school you're in uh, primary school and it's like well it'll all be good when I get to high school and then you're in high school and you go, well, wait till I'm 16 and then, you know, "Woo I'll be allowed to do all these other things or wait till I'm 18 and I'm old enough to drive and like wait till I'm at university and then wait till I get to my degree and wait till this happens and wait till that happens and then it'll be good when I get this client and – you miss out on all the fantastic stuff that's happening along the way, and you're always putting uh, your happiness off to a, a future place where it's it's here, it's now, it's this, it's what you're doing. That's that's what's exciting. So the the journey is the most important part. So it's like okay. be in that moment. It's that thing that we talked about a, a, a couple of episodes ago when I kept saying to you, Val, Val, be here in the room with me. Um, we tend to run off in our head to a to another place that there's always somewhere else that's better, especially uh, these days with social media and looking at everyone else's world and we're seeing everybody else's highlight reel and thinking, well, it, you know, th- their lives are better than mine. When I have what they have, then I will be happy or then I will be a good photographer no you're a good photographer now this is great everything is perfect in this moment love it enjoy it
1: cool okay that's that was unexpected but okay that's
2: great unexpected why why is it unexpected, <laughs> why? Mm, why is I, that unexpected? I didn't why say was it was bad yeah, but why why would it be unexpected for me
1: to say um, something like that no, I suppose it's not. I just thought that would be about photography,
2: but that is about photography, all right. It is actually it's about photography, Val. Have another yeah, Skype. Yeah. Keep up with me. <laughs> you're not like where uh, now you're on, you're at a quarter bottle. <laughs> I'm at a full bottle. And I
1: can't at, actually we drink to- too much because I have to wake up at some ungodly hour to go to, can you believe it, a photo shoot. So I'm just like I can't actually have a hangover. To grow. You won't. Okay, but you know what I mean? I can't have red eyes and stuff. Eye oh, I, to... I swear yeah, by them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the best thing ever. Albalon makes your eyes bright white like liquid paper. Oh,
1: damn it, I wish I knew that before. I would have got it. Albalon, gone bought some it's oh my god, today. Valerie.
2: You've never heard but of I've it. I've got contact lenses. It is the best. Like you Okay. You, You'll just stare at yourself in a mirror for an hour because you go, I can't believe how white the whites of my eyes are.
1: Oh, damn it. Okay, it's the well, best.
2: A chemist. It's too did. late now. I think it's you, you should use it all the time, but for those moments <laughs> where you've got like red, red eyes, yes. every now and then, perfect.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, it's probably too late now. But anyway, so my number two is. Um, Uh, pretty straightforward, it is you don't need the most expensive equipment, particularly when you're starting out. Now, once you go all pro, of course it's great to get all of the bells and whistles and gadgets, and even then it's not necessary, it's just cool. But one of the biggest mistakes that you can make because, um, you know, I've made them (laughs) is throughout the years with my Leica
2: oh look It was buried in the back of the cupboard I didn't even know I had it I was about to throw it out
1: yes that's right is that from very early on so even well before I met Gina which was a lifetime ago from very early on I would spend a small fortune on camera equipment because um you know I I was interested in photography obviously and um thought that I would give myself the best chance by spending all of this money, money that I didn't have at the time really, but I would spend a small fortune on great, you know, lenses, camera bodies, this, that, and the other. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm saying that you invest in those sorts of things at the right time. And when you're starting out and you're actually going into debt, and you don't actually need to, you don't have to buy the super-duper camera that Annie Leibovitz and Gina Militia use because you're just starting out, you know. You can get a decent camera at a decent price and learn the craft that way because – you know, when in that first year or six months or whatever, you're not using any of the function half the functions anyway because you're still understanding how it all works. So for me, uh, yeah, when you're starting out, you don't need the ridiculous expensive equipment. Even when you're not starting out, you probably don't need the most ridiculous and most expensive equipment because, as you've heard through many of the podcasts, you can MacGyver many things together. Um, uh, But, you know, yeah, sometimes you can treat yourself down the track, but it doesn't have to be too early because you'll just waste your money.
2: (laughs) I love MacGyver. I'd have him around to dinner. He would be one of my dinner party guests, you know. He'd be cool, yeah. He'd be so cool. And you'd Mm. have to get it. You know, how often does he go to parties and they're like, do that trick with the gum and the.
1: Yeah, bit of and
2: make something Don't give him out of dinner.
1: This. Just put in front of him like some blue tack and you know a, can open, of beans, a bit of wire. Yeah, make a roast. Yeah, <laughs> be like the loaves and fishes. Okay,
2: <laughs> all right. What's your next one, Gina? So, the next one is I believe a great photo is given, not taken. So and I, it took me a long time to work this out, like a long time. And what I used to do was make the photo kind of all about me. And it was about what I wanted, how I wanted the person to stand, how, what energy, what everything. And it was like, you know, barking out orders and like le- less about collaborating and, trying to 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 take this image from a person and then I learned that the more I give in the photography the more I get back so I as I managed to get into that space where I was confident in my lighting I was confident in my posing I was confident in knowing who I was and what I liked which made a big difference I was able to devote of the shoot to working with that person and uh, getting them into a comfortable space where they felt comfortable in the space and then focusing on their expression and doing everything, everything I needed to do to draw that expression out and working with them and noticing uh, little things that they did that I could uh, use in the shot. So when someone would sit down, the first time I'd just invite them to just take a seat over there and watching how they naturally placed their body before and then tweaking from there rather than forcing them into a pose that wasn't them or didn't suit them. So uh, and and I think that was a massive game changer for me, Val, and, and particularly like allowing people to uh, let their own personality come through in the shot and not having uh, a kind of a one-size Fits all approach to photography. It's like you know, trying to squeeze every single person mm. I photographed into this template that I knew worked for me. Stand here like this. Put your hands like that. Tilt your head like this for everyone. And I, I um, alarmingly see that a lot in a lot of shots yeah. uh, lately, where there is a template style of photography, and it's kind of got. It's like. It's scary because everyone looks the same, Val. And when you see mm. thousands of photos that all look the same, everyone's everyone's looking the same, everyone's lit the same. Uh, mm. Or someone, when you look at a, per, a photographer's website and every single photo has the exact same lighting, uh, I think that's yep. dangerous because it'll that styles do date. Styles of photography date over the years, and there are some classics that. Uh, will continue to work but I don't think there is a one size fits all to photography I think it's about the person uh, and knowing who they are and then working out how you're going to light them and pose them from there so it's giving them the photo not not taking it does that make sense
1: wow yeah i in love my, it very profound in my I, slur? yeah i'm getting a bit that way too <laughs> but and um i think that's very profound and in fact my one is very very similar um and uh i would say that mm, my my third most valuable lesson is um, with people, it is all about the connection and the expression. And so it's very, very similar in that it's not just about here's how you pose. Um, of course, there are certain poses that are way more flattering than others, but ultimately it was through you that I dis- I learned about the whole connection thing. It's not just about smiling in the camera. It is the smiling eyes and mm. um and i think that that is is something that i just didn't even think about before to be honest i hmm. just i I don't know, and but now again, I I reckon I can recognize smiling eyes now, and 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 they just add that lift and energy and realness to a shot um, compared to shots that 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 don't. Even though those shots there may be smiling, there may be eye contact, um, but it's just not the same as when there is smiling eyes. How would you describe what
2: smiling eyes means? Uh, it's that extra one percent so it's that connection and honestly it does take a little while to um to notice and see that in the eyes and i've got actually uh there's a tutorial that i'm uh, working on for the gold community where i've actually got a series of shots and i compare the not smiling eyes to the smiling eyes but in a nutshell it's it's that connection it's somebody is home as opposed to Nobody is home. You you know when the smile is genuine. It's the way the eyes turn up. They match the smile. You can see it in the mouth. The mouth will turn up obviously when it's a smile, but it's matched in the eyes. And it's it's a light that comes from within. I'm sorry to be to go so woo woo when I get on the um on the bubbles, <laughs> but it it it's 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 that inner light and. It, you, you see it when you're talking to someone. You know if someone we, – we know it intuitively when we're talking to someone. You, you kind of guess where if they're uh, into what you're saying, they will light up and they will respond. Yeah. But if they uh, are sitting there thinking about how quickly they can get away, there's a shift in their energy and there is a certain darkness and a, um, a fakeness in the smile. And, it like, they may be smiling, but it's like it doesn't reach the eye The eyes have uh, a disconnect or a coldness and it's that that I've uh, learnt to pick up and I can see that in people when they're smiling and that is the, the the where the connection comes in Val and you saw when we did the headshot course uh, how much we worked <laughs> to get to bring that out in people and it's it, it is it is about that connection and uh, you get you become more confident in doing that in your own way and it has to be authentic it's not you can't just say a line to someone it's like you obviously have been picked up by a pickup artist fell, right? You've been at a mm-hmm. bar and some smooth guy has come over and used that, Oh my God, the what is it? The are you a star or what what are what are those lame lines that people use <laughs> when they try and pick you up?
1: That's not you what know. they
2: do these, these days. They neg you. Oh, they neg, yeah. Well yeah. But, but you know when someone is uh trying to um Impress you to yes. to gain something from you, or it's fake. Yeah, you can tell, so, right? Yeah, because there's something. There's a disconnect with uh, what they're saying and how they're saying it, and their body language, and it's little micro expressions. It's tiny little things, but you kind of know that this guy is just saying it to mm-hmm. to to impress, right? Yeah. So it's it's all of that. It's and and that's where. Like these are all little one percenters. So you've got like uh, everyone who's doing photography will get to a certain level. The ones that are going to advance and their work is going to stand out are going to really study these little micro, micro, mini percenters, and uh, and work on those. And the, the ones that do that, their images shine they stand out they know this stuff they know their technical stuff but they go to that next level that next one percent and apply that and suddenly it's uh it's next level awesome
1: okay cool well there you go there are Gina and my most valuable lessons in photography and I would say Jane is at the end of her bottle right now, and yes, I should it's time really for me to lie not down. not to drink anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you'll be uh, to... going via the chemist, Val, to get yourself a little bottle of Albalon, uh, okay. the chemist, and uh, for tomorrow morning before you, okay. your shoot, you're going to have okay. sparkling white eyes. They look like oh, they're being right. photoshopped. It's so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think I'll have the time, but anyway, I'll you'll just have, have to. You'll have the time. It's
2: just on your way out, Val, as you leave the, your, you know. Okay. You no, a little I leave
1: re- I've got It's a really early call time, so I have have to leave really early and I think that- you do a little scan is the hard
2: rubbish being picked up yes out? But like, why it's didn't gone. you tell me i would have flown up for it i reckon there would have been <laughs> great stuff up there
1: yeah there would be but it's all it's gone anyway tell us about your so you want to be a photographer journey and what do you suggest people do for that gina
2: I think I would love that uh, I know a lot of the listeners have been with us since like episode one or very early on or they've been with us for like, you know, 200 episodes is almost four years, Val. (laughs) Can you believe it? Wow. I know. It's ridiculous. But um, if you – I would love – if uh, some of you could share the first photo you took before you met us and then where you are today and uh, let's see uh, everyone's journey and uh, tell us you know what you're celebrating and what you're most proud of uh, in in these last four years, because I know that people have uh, started businesses in that time, or got yeah. the you know started shooting with flash, or started shooting in manual mode. Like there has been so many amazing success stories. So I want to hear about them. We want to hear about them. So uh, please. Uh, share your photos. You can email news at com or share them in the So You Wanna Be a Photographer Facebook community.
1: Love it. Awesome. So make sure that um, that you upload your photos. A photo before you discovered the podcast and met us and your one of your most recent images. And hashtag. Which my favorite hashtag. What's that?
2: <laughs> Show us your Show pics. Show us your
1: pics. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> do Yeah, hashtag show us your pics. All right, fantastic. Thank you so much for sticking with us for 200 episodes. We've loved bringing each and every one of them to you. Um, Thank you so much for your support and for those of you who've left us a review or rating on iTunes, thank you so much. Uh, It really does help us in the rankings and we're very grateful. So, of course, you'll find all of the show notes at GinaMilicia.com. Where else do we find you online? Gina
2: Uh, so across all social media I am at Gina Militia and if you want to connect with me uh, personally you can uh, maybe try out the gold community so that's where you can get uh, like access to all the tutorials and all the great stuff that we do in there so that's at Gina slash gold community
1: And you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K H O O on Twitter. And I'm not really uh, 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 sorry on Instagram. I'm I'm not really doing
2: Instagram. You're all over Instagram, Val.
1: Yeah, not last week because I was a bit sick. Um, but uh, and not so much on Twitter these days. No, but uh, um, but of course, connect with me in the God community or on Facebook. It's it'll be great to um get together. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again